Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Thunmi, and I welcome you to Let Me Spiral. This podcast is me using important topics to justify talking to myself. A few words about me. Uh, I'm a medical student, and I'm super passionate about incredibly nerdy things, research, critical thinking, provision of reliable information for educated decision-making. And this is my outlet for all of that. This episode is the second part of the mental health subject. Please be aware of this and use your own discretion to know whether or not you would like to listen to this. That being said, I split this episode into two parts because of feedback on the first episode. Details about this decision are in part one. Let's get straight into it, though. Sit back and let me spiral about the world's feelings. Part two. Let me give you a quick recap of the first part. We talked about the fact that mental health disorders are quite prevalent in the world and that there is far too little quality care available and accessible to people, leaving most of the world untreated. We learned that the root of mental health disorders is also very complex and always interconnected, and we often cause a vicious cycle which makes people stuck in their lives and illnesses even over generations. Mental health issues are difficult to document and generalize, but they are a part of everyone's experience, especially in the past pandemic year. Now we're going to move on from the outline of the problem to the changes that have happened in the handling of mental health issues over the years. The conversation on expert level has changed with paradigm shifts in the ways we understand the nature of mental illness, and there are efforts into bringing this close to the general public. Last time we talked about the vast risk factors associated with mental illness and discussed how the term cause isn't all that accurate because it's not as simple a mathematical calculation. This was recognized by an American psychiatrist by the name of George Engel, who coined the term biopsychosocial to describe how mental disorders are a human condition which is closely linked to our social environments. Now, this changed the treatment for mental illnesses. We went from a very biomedical model to understanding that these people need psychological care and expanded our concepts of mental disorders out to substance abuse as well, which confronted the notion that these behaviors are strictly criminal or even immoral. From here, a second shift happened in the 1950s where the treatment changed from an institutionalized approach to a community approach, which sought to integrate those affected into the communities rather than separating them out from regular life. Next, we added more people into the caregiving for the people with mental disorders rather than just having psychiatrists treat them. We started uh, including a multitude of mental health uh, mental health experts who are now able to help these people and educate them. Finally, we have changed the discussions around mental health in terms of policy making, research and development to always include those affected by mental disorders in the change making. This ensures that their rights and concerns are considered and respected before any further change occurs. This entire information, this 
nice story comes from the Lancet Commission on Mental Health. Um, they published a lengthy report in 2018, which can also be found in the citations linked in the description if you want to find out more about the changes in mental health um, from the understandings of it to the treatment changes. Of course, this entire narrative um, only discussed the Western thought processes as they are known and change kind of from a top-down level, but we need to consider that this by no means represents the entire world. Um, from the same World Bank paper, which uh, talked about, you know, using technologies um, into, uh, but we talked about using technologies to change and improve the way mental health is addressed in the world. The um, following solutions were provided. We, we They suggested that we need to move from a cultural and religious understanding of mental health to a scientific kind of evidence-based um, idea of it. And of course, there's variations uh, in how fast this change can occur, where this change is in the world because of historical differences, the government's approaches to policies and several other things um but presently the it is it is recognized that the association of mental health problems to belief or faith rather than to a biopsychosocial problem heightens self-harm or other inadequate coping mechanisms for the people affected um this also leads to internalized stigma and treatment stigma which are two forms of stigma which prevent people from finding help even if they have some sort of an idea that mental disorder exists or um, have some information about it. And this is a concept that definitely deserves a lot more attention. Let's break down these two terms so that we can understand why they're different, first of all, and why they need attention. Um, internalized stigma is stigma against mental disorders as a whole that one has um, in themselves. It, it includes denial of uh, the matter entirely or negligence, which of course only heightens the issue because adequate coping mechanisms can't be found. Um, then there is treatment stigma, which once one is aware that a mental um, illness might be present or is something that one should be looking out for. Um, a, a, a fear, a, a misunderstanding, um, a, a reluctance in getting treatment because the treatment itself is what would kind of brandish one's name or one's reputation as someone who has a problem, which is something to be looked down upon. Now, both of these kind of result in, in the same effect, either that, hey, um, I am crazy, or this person is crazy, which is not the case at all with um, mental illnesses. The, the, we, we need to recognize that they are absolutely valid and should not be um, played down or disrespected and it leads to the person ultimately just not receiving treatment um, not receiving the help that they need and that they absolutely deserve 
but how can we solve this? How can we lower the rates of mental disorder and teach people that mental illness is nothing to be feared? Well, my personal opinion is that everyone needs a therapist um, the same way that everyone needs a general practitioner or family doctor, whatever you choose to call them. Um, basically someone who they can go and do regular checkups with, even if they are feeling perfectly fine. However, this is something that is not feasible. Um, the World Bank paper, which I keep referring to, has also shown that there are insufficient providers of mental health care throughout the world. Um, in the world right now, there's an average of nine mental health care workers per 100,000 people. And this is compared to um, the World Health Organization norm, which uh, strives to um, the World Health Organization norm, which strives to have one doctor to every 1,000 in the population. Um, so this just shows that there's there's insufficient workers um, in this area to help people out. Um, and a solution to this would be to include non-specialist healthcare providers uh, in an effort to support mental health. So this is education, but on a level of the provider. Um, Destigmatization can also be achieved this way because we could include faith and traditional healers um, to kind of bring mental health closer to people and by educating them we can thereby educate a greater population. This is an approach which is actually being looked into in um, Ethiopia, for example. Um, I. Further down in the episode, I'll give you a few more um, examples of change which is happening throughout the world, which is quite fantastic. Now, there's also efforts being made to bring psychological therapy close to people um, in order to benefit their needs, um, such as the World Bank um, in their general mental illness page has shown that um, in Pakistan, in a small province, a um, hundred small business and business entrepreneurs were given five weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy, and this reduced their depression and anxiety in its intensity and uh, in its absolute numbers as well. And these people reported higher levels of well-being compared to those who did not receive this therapy. In Afghanistan, in 2018, um, 2.2 million people were able to receive mental health services as opposed to, in 2009, just 0.5 million. So here we see uh, that four times higher um, numbers of people are able to receive mental health treatment, which is amazing. Um, in Yemen, the World Bank Emergency Health Program is providing mental health services and trauma care. And in refugee camps in Kenya and Ethiopia, um, Somali women and children are receiving counseling for gender-based and sexual violence as a part of a primary care package in the refugee camps, which is also uh, amazing news to hear. And this entire thing obviously um, comes from a standpoint of investing and changing the policies in these um, areas and allowing that to happen in the first place. But the education and the realization that 
psychological issues are also biological brain issues helps with the acceptance and destigmatization of mental health as a whole and therefore means that more people are willing to seek help to begin with. So in 2019, um, there's a paper published which assessed over a million random tweets to see how mental disorders were being either stigmatized, trivialized, or compared to physical conditions. The stigma which they found in these tweets was often associated with diseases where there's an unclear cause, um, an unclear, you know, method, uh, where there was an unclear cause. This means that the, the information is, is simply missing on um, how these illnesses come about and how these illnesses can be maybe even treated. And this showed that poor understanding and knowledge of these illnesses caused stigma, fear, and the perception of danger with these illnesses, particularly with schizophrenia. Um, this was compared to diabetes, and it was seen that there's a less stigma surrounding diabetes and less fear surrounding diabetes because people know more about it. There was, however, also trivialization, which means people downplaying um, certain mental disorders, making them seem like they are not valid. And this happened largely in the case of um, obsessive compulsive disorder. This risks spreading uh, misconception and misinformation. However, trivialization controversially also indicates that people are more willing to talk about mental health issues. So this is an interesting point um, to consider because it shows that we, we're having a society which is more open towards talking about mental health issues perhaps, but it shows that it's also a society where a lot more education is needed, but ultimately the education works because the more we know, the less we stigmatize. Now, how can we bring this change about? Again, the World Bank suggested using technology. Um, technology can be damaging to mental health, we know this, but the wide access and same media is available and can be used in campaigns as a tool. We can use the internet to also view and spread positive messages, not just negative ones. Through the internet, we can provide people with access to education, employment, and public services, which is all associated with better mental health because it counters the vicious cycle of, um, of being stuck in poverty with low health, which then diminishes employment um, and therefore leads to further poverty and further ill health. Now, um, this leads me into using education um, through technology. This, this isn't limited to the people affected or to lay people, but also to professionals um, in areas of providing health care and we can increase their education and allow them to provide mental health support. In 2017, a program was started in Afghanistan which um, which basically tested uh, medical experts on depression, psychosis, post-traumatic stress disorder, and substance abuse. It tested their knowledge of these subjects. 
And through this education program, um, it was shown that their, their, their knowledge level actually improved about these subjects. This allows them obviously to better treat their patients. Um, there is a program management plus initiative from the World Health Organization in Pakistan, which is being tested right now, where they are training non-specialists in common mental health disorders so that different people, um, so that a, a multitude of people can be helped by a larger group of people um, so that we can increase the treatment, uh, not increase the treatment, so that we can decrease the treatment gap and increase the treatment coverage um, all across the world. We can also use technology to just provide mental health assistance with using AI to maybe create chatbots, virtual therapists, um, self-therapy programs, or even just provide digital communities. Social media, as shown in um, the study that I discussed that analyzed tweets, can be used to gather data, gather insight on mental health issues affecting groups of people. The, the algorithms, as we've all heard over the past years, are able to compile and analyze groups of people with somewhat a scary level of detail. So why aren't we using this for the positive to gather data in areas where people need help and then acting on this? Um, the And in case you need any further encouragement that this is absolutely something that is essential and worth investing into. A paper in the Lancet Health Psychiatry in 2016 um, used a tool to calculate, um, the One Health tool, to calculate the treatment costs and health outcomes um, in 36 countries for mental health disorders in a time span of 2016 to 2030. With this, they predicted that a 5% in improvement in ability to work and productivity um, as a result of treatment would be provided um, if we simply invested into mental health care. This would increase the GDP um, per, per worker and the rates of labor participation in each country. The investment would be um, $147 billion for depression and anxiety treatment, but the returns would be 43 million extra healthy life years, which translates into $310 billion. That's, a, that's over a 200%. Um, the intrinsic benefits of better health would result in an economic gain, which isn't uh, directly uh, able to be calculated. But the cost-benefit ratio that we have is a, is 2.3 to 3.1 to 1, or 3.3 to 5.7 to 1 if we include the health benefit as a whole. So this just truly goes to show that, again, this is another topic that is absolutely worth being invested in. And we all have to change um, our mindsets towards it and, and maybe look into it some more. 
And unfortunately, after all of my research that I did, some of my biggest questions when I started the idea of this topic episode remained unanswered. Um, I went into this episode uh, or into this topic because in the past years, especially with the start of COVID, I kept seeing my Instagram feed um, and my YouTube blow up with posts about mental health, body positivity, and this kind of holistic idea of health. And it caused me to reflect much more on my own mental health. Um, and this becoming an open and accepted topic amongst my friends. But with this, um, I'm also acknowledging that I might just have a social media bubble, which um, has changed to include these topics because of uh, the friends who I associate with, what they like as content, what I like as content. Um, and I don't know if this truly reflects the attitude changes of the world. And on top of it, I recognize that there's a risk with trivialization, a word which I actually only learned um, while researching this topic. And I see that downplaying or an entertaining presentation of mental illnesses does happen. And I wonder how much the humor is a valid coping mechanism or whether it's leading to misinformation. Um, and with that, I want to try and open a discussion. So please genuinely do send me your thoughts on this. If you've noticed your social media change over the past years or your general media consumption change over the past years um, in terms of the narrative or the quantity in which social media is mentioned. And if yes or even if no, how do you think this contributes to your perception of mental health and of mental illness? Um, so with that being said, we really have to recognize that mental health is not the absence of illness. Uh, it, it can be improved and it needs maintenance just like your physical body does. Um, as a grand society, we are reaching that idea with massive paradigm shifts in um, the sciences. And we absolutely just have to keep that momentum going. We're increasing investments ever so slowly, but this is our chance to keep it going and to change our attitudes towards it one person at a time, one small group at a time. I'm done spiraling for now. Thanks for listening. I know it was a tough topic to get through these past two episodes. And aside from sending me feedback on the topic itself, how did you enjoy the new format? Did it work for you? You can DM me or tweet me at Let Me Spiral on Twitter and Instagram. Citations are available in the description of the episode. Bye.